It is Friday morning. Time for our weekly check-in with Reggie Cicchini. Reggie, good morning to you. Good morning. I know we had an extra check-in because of what was happening yesterday. Maybe we'll start there as well, because uh, last time we talked to you, it was before Donald Trump had surrendered at Fulton County Jail. How did things play out? They played out like they've played out over the last three other uh, arraignments, only this time around it took place in a jail. And this time around, we have a mugshot of uh, of the former president. And we also have, for the first time in U.S. history, a former president with a prison ID number, now a part of the Fulton County jail system. I think it's worth pointing out now, Jill, that this picture is going to become a highly protected thing within the uh, Trump campaign. They are going to use this. They are going to fundraise off of it. The question is, Will his rivals and will Democrats also try to use his mugshot to their advantage? It's quite the photo for people who haven't seen it. He's looking pretty stern and staring into the camera. I don't know if you know this. Do you get a, a second shot at that photo or is it like a driver's license photo? You, they take it and you're stuck with the one you get. I mean, look, that's the question that's been asked. Did he get a couple of opportunities to take this photo? I guess we'll never know. Uh, ultimately, this is the one, if it was the only one, it's the one that, that his campaign and that the kind of country is going to have to settle with. But it's also the one that is going to be used to try to drive home to the small town donors that this is why they need to give the campaign money because he is a quote unquote victim here uh, of some kind of political agenda. And as we know, he maintains his innocence. We've seen the other co-defendants surrender in this case. So this will go forward. Is it safe to say this is kind of going along parallel to the the political campaign and, and what else is happening? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, he's going to have to run forward with this. This is going to eventually go to a trial. We know there's one trial date that's been set for October 23rd for one of the defendants. Donald Trump team does not want a speedy trial. They want this to be delayed as long as they can. They want this after the election or not at all. So he's now going to have to kind of dance a line here of trying to avoid um, this clash between legal trials, campaign events, uh, uh, primaries that are coming up next year. It's going to be a, a, a tricky line to walk and a tricky calendar to try and pay attention to. But, you know, that's why he has a political team and a legal team. We will be watching to see what happens next there. Uh, Let's talk, Reggie, a little bit about the Republican debate and the winners and losers uh, in uh, this. uh, These uh, candidates or hopeful uh, nominees taking uh, center stage. Well, I mean, look, who did the best? It depends on what poll you look at. It depends on who you are and what your beliefs are as you're watching these uh, these candidates on stage who ultimately are trying to fight to be the alternative to Donald Trump or or at least be, you know, who is going to come in second because Trump is just racing so far ahead when it comes to polling numbers. Um, From some of the aggregate polling companies out there, um, people would say Ron DeSantis was the winner because he is still the number two in this race. He's the one who has a, a kind of current record to be running on when it comes to laws that are being enacted across the state of Florida. There are people saying Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, the kind of lower ranked candidate with lesser popularity, uh, may have come in second place based on uh, on the information he had, except for the fact that he took a beating from Nikki Haley from South Carolina uh, when it came to foreign policy. And there are other polls out there, Jill, that show that uh, Nikki Haley came out uh, strong, and so too did Mike Pence. The one who didn't come out strong was Chris Christie. Not expected. He is a vocal Trump uh, or he, he's vocally anti-Trump, uh, and he, he tried to give a couple of swipes here. But at the end of the day, 
who wins, who loses in these debates, it's kind of, you know, suggest, suggestive as, as to who you are and what you're ultimately looking for. And I thought it was interesting, one of the comments about it as well, maybe with the exception of Chris Christie, uh, that it, it, it appeared uh, that candidates were avoiding using the actual word Trump, uh, kind of talking about Donald Trump without using his name. And it's it's a strategy because as soon as you mention Trump, you invoke it and everyone else is going to start talking about it. And what does that do? It makes Trump the center of, of a debate where these people are trying to ultimately introduce themselves and put their own policies and platforms first. And to avoid mentioning the word, avoid kind of sucking the oxygen out of the room. And at the end of the day, when you're trying to be the person who's better than Donald Trump, what better way to do it than to not talk about him or to at least simply talk negatively about him because he's not actually there to fight back against what you're saying. Interesting. Um, You mentioned Ron DeSantis. His name has been surfacing as well, uh, talking about different issues, but one in Florida specifically with education officials there uh, approving stricter penalties, and this is uh, dealing uh, with rules and with laws around LGBTQ rights. Yeah, saying that in these state colleges, students and staff members are going to be barred from using restrooms or changing facilities uh, that don't match what the gender is that they were assigned to at birth. And ultimately, he's saying that people can be pushed out of their jobs uh, and fired or have uh, suspensions in pay or, or, or a verbal warning if they go against these policies. And look, this is just part and parcel to a number of policies that, that Ron DeSantis has enacted uh, targeting the LGBTQ2 plus community across Florida, whether it has to do uh, with, with gender identity or whether it has to do with books or trying to ban drag shows. These are policies that, that the governor is enacting because he feels that it's in the best interest of Florida. But he's now the second person uh, or in second place in the presidential race. And the question becomes, are the policies he's enacting across Florida, as dangerous as they may be, something that the broader Republican Party across the United States is interested in? And if not, then what he's doing in Florida could have significant damage to his own you know, potential futures far outside of the state. Hmm, All right. Well, we'll be watching that one as well. And Reggie, one other story I wanted to touch on, because I know there are still hundreds of people unaccounted for in Maui following the fires there, but there's now a lawsuit involved with those fires. Yeah, and the the, the question here from the state now suing, uh, uh, rather the Maui government now suing uh, the public utility here is, was there any kind of negligent action here? Did they not turn the power off in time uh, to prevent any of these poles from from being energized and potentially sparking more fires? That's a question that's going to have to be answered in court. But look, this is not something uncommon. Back in 2018, uh, there was a class action lawsuit filed against customers against uh, PG&E in California after a forest fire who alleged that, you know, uh, uh, faulty systems and poor maintenance and not shutting them off in time led to these fires spreading. So if that happened in Maui, there's a chance that the public utility could be found um, you know, responsible here. But I think this is part and parcel of a broader effort to seek accountability for what was ultimately one of the worst fires in American history that is likely going to leave scars on this island for generations. Reggie, as always, thank you so much. Great to check in with you and have a great weekend. Happy Friday. That is Reggie Cicchini, Washington correspondent for Global News.